welcome to another episode of Omnipotent Idiots. We finally uh, figured uh, out the uh, remote re- everywhere. <laughs> yeah, remote recording system. Uh, hopefully, this one works out better than all the other ones. Um, this will be our very first episode into our tattoo culture series. And as someone who has done multiple pieces on me, I uh, thought about talking to Terrence. So welcome, Terrence. You. Yeah. Where's my applause? Where, who, who's the man with the button? <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're not that. Uh, Golf clap. Yeah, we're not that forward yet. I'll do it before you. <laughs> the crowd goes yeah. wild. <sighs> wow. All right. All right. Oh no 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 no. So yeah. how did you guys meet then? Um, oh, by the way, the show's called Omnipotent Idiots. Hello to all our listeners. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Forgot that part, like usual. Yeah. So me and Terrence met at my buddy's shop when he opened up uh, in 2000, was it 2009, 2010? Yeah, I just want to put it like, uh, before you go into it, there's a day that we met. And there's a day that we became best friends. Wow. The first one was when we met. And then the second one is when we saw Vaney Boobs together. I'll let him tell that story. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize Stacy took his shirt off in front of you. <laughs> it's a big day for all of us when he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some, uh, yeah, we met. Um, <laughs> That was, yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, except so my we'll buddy, see, we'll see if the first time you met like lines up. If you both have the same. Like I said, uh, my buddy, uh, my buddy opened up. Uh, old friend of mine opened up the shop on Abercorn in Savannah near Vaden Nissan. Uh, my buddy, my buddy used to own uh, Running Guns Tattoos, and that shop in the beginning was fairly decent, but. Yeah, not to talk At the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not to talk trash on Mark or my, you know, whatever went happened. Yeah. It just kinda you know Oh, just fucking name him. Well, yeah, not to talk trash on my friend, but I mean it kinda just devolved into a lot of yeah. I mean we kinda just ended great. up Yeah, we, we ended up getting drunk and doing a whole lot more things in up there than we should have. <laughs> Uh, business ended up going to the wayside and I think he just ended up selling it to someone else and they took it over. He did. Some musty dude. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good choice. Yeah. Surprising, surprising when they have business money. Yeah. yeah and, and he, he was married to a girl that was like all natural. So she didn't let him wear deodorant. The dude had a sweat problem. Man, Here in Savannah, you can't roll like that. I just don't know. No, you can't. Yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, we. And, uh, me and TJ. TJ's done what four or five of my pieces, and I mean, me and him used to just hang out and you know chill at the chill at the shop, and then go right next door and shoot pool almost every day for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Stacy was probably. The only, I mean, not, not to belittle his friendship, but he was the only sensible guy around. So I was kind of forced to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I partook in some of the, uh, the debauchery that was there as well, but kind of kept my head on my shoulders at the same time. When Stacy's a sensible one, you know you fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need some new friends. Yeah, yeah. you're in yeah. your poor company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know it's crazy, oh, not, not to chime in though, but you remember when I was asking you all those electric, those questions, you know, you're an electrician and all that, and... Mm-hmm. Um, I was building all those frames and all those things. I was trying to frame my, my pictures and you were kind of letting me know, you know, how this, whatever, I don't even know what the terms are, but you know, you tell me where to put the wire on the battery, where to put it on the motor, blah, blah, blah. That was, that was one of the things that I was like, Oh, that's cool, man. I'm learning something from you, you know? So it was a bonding experience, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, so you were doing <laughs> frames with know, lights in them. You know? Yeah, because not only does uh, not only is Terrence a a tattoo artist, but Terrence is a full on artist. Terrence has also had some of his artwork in museums and several other stuff. He's he's uh, he's a, he's a full on artist artist. It's called a fine artist, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you though. Yeah, I appreciate. It. You know, a lot of people don't notice the difference. Yeah. Artist, artist. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's for real. He doesn't do that shit just for the hookup. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he just exactly. <laughs> just for the exposure, he gets paid. Yeah. <laughs> so All let's right. let's go to your beginning. Like, uh, so I got some of my questions here. Uh, when did you first start drawing and and get into art? Art, art. So, yeah, art. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it was, both my parents draw. My mom, she's more of like a mimic type of of, uh, of a person that she enjoys drawing, but she can only replicate things. So she doesn't really have much of an imagination. And then my dad is the opposite. No matter who you draw, whether he's black, white, Asian, if it's a portrait, if it's a dog, it's going to look the same. Dad has an imagination, but he can't mimic anything. So that kind of started with it. Uh, I remember dad would draw. And uh, he'd come up with these really cool characters, and uh, I would just scribble all over it at, like, three, four years old. So I've always kind of had it in my background. But um, when it started to turn into tattooing, it was more uh, – my dad was a barber also, so he would uh, have people that would talk to him about tattoos randomly. And then uh, he said, well, my son draws. So he would get me to, like, do side jobs. You know, I'd get paid $20 here, sometimes nothing if I really knew him well. And I would just draw things, and it would they would go take it to the uh, local tattoo artist. There was only one, and they would uh, get it tattooed. So that kind of got me interested. Um, but it wasn't until uh, my dad wanted me to draw something for him. I ended up drawing something for him, and that same artist kept seeing my designs over and over again. And I uh, was like, you know what? If you bring this guy in, I'll teach him how to tattoo, you know? So it was Peter Buells in uh, Richmond Hill. He was the only guy around. So I just started showing up after after school every day, and I would go in and help him out, draw designs, because he couldn't draw. But uh, And then it kind of turned into something. Yeah. Does that dude – that dude still tattoos, right? I don't know. I don't know. He – man, he was a character. I, th- in- I think I, I think he does because uh, there's a dude at my shop that um, – just moved from out there. His name's Pete, and he was talking about he gets confused with this other Pete. Who oh, that's shit. him then. <laughs> Without a doubt. 
This um, guy is so a your parents were just artists by hobby or like by trade? Did they do yeah, it for yeah. money at all or what? No, 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 no. Definitely by hobby. They, they've always been just kind of randomly sketching here and there, you know, that they, 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 they never even really influenced me to do it intentionally. Mm -hmm. It was just one of those things that they would do randomly. Mom would like rip out pages in magazines and just decide to draw them, you know? Right. Interesting. And so you're from Savannah? Yeah. From Savannah. Mm -hmm. But that's not where you are now. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm close to Dallas. I'm in Mansfield now. Cool. Gotcha. So, how old were you when you were drawing, when you were doing these designs? Uh, I would say I was right around uh, sophomore, sophomore in high school. So, gotcha. What is that? Like sixteen? Yeah, sixteen, seventeen. I guess. Yeah, probably like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, I had a, I had a, a spurt to where I thought I was gonna be a boxer. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me how. It just <laughs> was random. So I just started boxing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make my dreams come true with this. You know, I don't know why. But uh, so I ended up quitting the shop. Uh, he was, Peter was mad, of course, or Pete. And uh, so I just started doing the boxing thing. You know, I would drive to Savannah and then I would drive back to Hinesville. But then my money got low. So I started to figure out like, oh, this boxing thing might not work out. So I started, um, I started tattooing in my parents' garage. I'd learned just a little bit. Pete ended up kind of just wanting me to draw designs and not so much learning how to tattoo because he had the tattoo part but didn't have the design part. So I took a little bit of what I knew and I just start and I bought myself a kit. I think it was like five, six hundred dollars. And then I just started tattooing my god brother and then my god sister and then a friend of mine and just screwing everything up. Mm -hmm. I mean, the worst tattoo I've ever seen. I mean, like, bad, bad, bad. Like, I, I had my needle out, like, far beyond the tube. If anybody is listening mm -hmm. knows what that means. I had, like, no rubber band on my needle, so my needle was, like, <laughs> dancing. Uh, it was rough. It was rough. But, yeah, those are the beginnings. How long? Something else after that. How long were you at that shop with Pete? Mm, man, I, I think I was there for about two years. Two years solid. Gotcha. And what kind so of it was stuff? Like junior year. What kind of stuff were you drawing? Oh man, you know you can guess that one. Infinity symbols, rebel flags, fucking crosses. Yeah. Well, really, our Grim Reaper would have been a good day, but <laughs> yeah. it's like the most generic stuff. Just close your eyes, and the first thing you think of, as far as tattoos, is what I was doing. Tasmanian devil. <laughs> Butterflies. Oh, that's it. That's the first one. All right. <laughs> uh, what, so what year was this when you were working with Pete? Oh, man. So I graduated in 07. So probably around 2002, 2003, something like that. Maybe a yeah. little bit around there. Yeah. Word. So who was, who was big back then? Like, who were you looking at? Uh, I mean, oh. like, were you looking at magazines? Like, what were you yes. doing? You know what I mean? What was, what was the big flash back then? Like, what was going on? Man, what I used to do is I used to go every, every other day I would go to the bookstore, whether it be like um, Barnes & Nobles or whatever local bookstore that we had that had magazines. I'd go in there, maybe Walmart sometimes. Like Walmart doesn't sell the 
tattoo magazines as much as they used to. I don't know if they do at all. But I, I think all there. magazines are on the yeah, yeah. It's Yeah, oh, yeah, I know, especially this day and time. Mm-hmm. But I would go there, and uh, I would just buy whatever brand. It would be Savage, or it would be um, Tattoo Society, or it would be Urban Inc. Urban Inc. had, like, the marketing part down, but not the quality. Savage had... Uh, the old school history part, and then Tattoo Society probably had the most quality out of all of them. So I would pick each thing, each magazine for that purpose. So I would look at Urban Inc. and figure out what people like as far as how, how you appeal to people. Then I'd go to Savage, and I'd look at some really traditional designs. And then Tattoo Society I would go to for the next thing, like progression. Like in Tattoo Society, they would have, like, Nico Hurtado. He, he was a color... Uh, color portrait type of dude mm-hmm. uh, and he was probably the most um dominant as far as like um having everything you know he, he marketed himself well he was in a good area uh skill was phenomenal unmatched so i would kind of mimic him gotcha. jeff insminger too jeff insminger was in austin so he mm-hmm. he really influenced me to do a lot of things too so how long did you uh, work out of that garage then until you like oh. went back to like got back to a shop? Man, so it was crazy. So I was tattooing probably for close to a year and a half or two years. At first it was nothing, you know, it was like making basically nothing. You know, I was just charging $20 here, $40 here, you know, and whoever would pay more, they would pay more. But I was just really trying to get some practice in. But it started really, when I started to figure out how the machine worked, then it started to get up there. I remember maybe a year in, um, I'd been tattooing all day. I'd been, I'd have had a few connects from the military. And once you get in with the military, man, it's just like, it, it snowballs. So I was making like, like maybe close to a thousand a, a day. Mm. I would tattoo maybe four tattoos. Uh, it would probably be around like three, four hundred dollars uh, per tattoo, and then I would tattoo from twelve to twelve nonstop because I'm excited and passionate, you know, at the time. And well, I'm a little <laughs> kind of that way now, but you know, especially then. And you're seeing so much money, and you're still in high school, man. I'm thinking shoes and car, and I'm like, oh man, I'm on it. So I remember having all that in cash, and then counting it at the end of the night and showing my dad, and he's a barber. He makes $12 a haircut. It's thousand dollars a day. doesn't make any sense to him. Mm -hmm. So when I showed him that, he said, dude, you have to do something with this. So I started saving up for something as opposed to trying to stack money. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, um, ended up, um, getting my own shop. Word. I just did it that way. Yeah. Basically a garage, but not in the garage, you know? Damn. So you didn't even, you, you don't even have like an apprenticeship then. No, no. Happened in the garage. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's that's wild. Yeah. There was a need a- for it in Hinesville. I was tattooing in Hinesville. That's where my parents live. So there mm-hmm. were so many people that needed help, and there were so little tattoo shops uh, because of the rules and regulations of the of the county that I, I just was able to rack up, and there was really no nobody there to stop me or compete. So it was just a lot of money all at once. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so – then what happened like with that um i mean obviously you went 
did you go from your shop to running guns? Yeah, you know, like when <clears throat> when you're from a small area and stuff, and you and and you're able to do things like that, open up your own business, it's your accomplishment. Like everybody congratulates you. You're doing it. You're rich. You know, whatever. Mm. But it really isn't as cracked up as what it is. You know, it's more of one of those. Um, it's one of those like dreams that happens if you take it further. But if you actually accomplish it, that's really the the best it's going to get if you don't take it further. So uh, I just saw after two years of opening the shop that it was just not very profitable. I'm not able to um, make as much money because of the overhead. And I'd have to constantly deal with someone else's drama if they worked mm-hmm. for me. I didn't want to do that, you know. So I, I grew up with Samoans and Hawaiians like my whole life. Like every birthday party I went to, if they didn't have a fire dance, I didn't go. You know, it was just nonstop hula every week, all week. They just wanted an excuse to party. So all my connects came from them. So I ended up meeting a dude named Kalani, and he introduced me to Mark. Mark was living with Kalani in Hinesville, and um, he was like, you know, he's opening up a shop, man. You should come and work for him. And that's all I needed. I was already thinking about working for someone else because I had been done with trying to manage all the everything that has to do with owning it. So. I was like, shoot, I'm going to Savannah. So I ended up moving to Savannah. Uh, how many artists did you have at your shop when you owned yours? Uh, it was me and one other one. That's gotcha. enough for trouble. Yeah, the same one <laughs> for the whole two years? No, no, he, he came on at the end. That's when I realized, because at first I was, uh, I was good, I was content, passionate, and then I was realizing I'm not able to uh, have a day off. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the overhead is just a whole lot. I was just kind of like getting overwhelmed because I was in it for the artistry. I wasn't in it for the business part of it. Mm-hmm. There's a different, completely different mindset when it it's not fun at all. Yeah. Uh, so, so once I realized the employee was a good guy, but he also had personal things too going on. So if he's a good guy and he has personal issues, I'd hate to have someone that's not a good guy work for me. Yeah. I just realized it wasn't for me, you know? Mm-hmm. So did you come out of it? Did you like take a big loss coming out of it? No, 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 no. I definitely earned. I I was able to move out and get my own place and get my own car and do all that kind of thing. You know, those things. So I came out on top. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't take a loss for it, but it was just kind of like running in place. I kind of felt like I wasn't progressing in any way, you know? Gotcha. So then you're like four years in because you had like, yeah. So, okay. Um, I don't know. I've been asking all the questions. Y'all yeah. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm interested in like what your work is like. Um, I, what are you interested in doing? What do you like to do? What would you say are your style? What's your style? Talk to me about that. So now it's crazy. So when you move from place to place, you just see what's out there. You know, when I was in Hinesville, I realized it was nothing. So I felt like I was the man. Then I got mm-hmm. to Savannah and then I was a little bit more humbled by the like traditional styles, you know? Cause I didn't know anything about the history. That's what your apprenticeship was for. You kind of get your gratitude from that phase. Uh, so once I saw that, I was like, Ooh, I need to like, <laughs> I need to step it up a little bit. I can't be, you know, can't be, you know, just messing stuff up and just say, Hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Right. It doesn't sound great. And it wasn't, um, but I disguised it pretty well. No, it sounds so, like uh, an ap- artistic journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can call it that. That's that's a nice way of putting it. 
But no, um, so once I realized that, that really stepped my game up. Uh, and then once I was able to take in those technical skills, you know, then I was starting to branch into marketing. Uh, what what I choose to do that lets people know that I did it. You know, there's certain people that only do certain tattoos. And that's really what I wanted to do because that's when you're able to charge a premium when you say that you're a specialist on something, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was my goal. So after I got the technical skills down, I started realizing what people weren't doing so well. And then I tried to strengthen those parts of me that, um, that would, um, be better than them, you know? So I started to focus more on realism and design. So I wanted to, I wanted to mix like a art deco art nouveau style mix with realism instead of it being so illustrative, you know, to where it's like a flat image and yeah, it's cool design wise, but when, the everyday person looks at it they just want to see how real it can be so i was thinking how can i make it look cool on the body at the same time make it look realistic and appeal to everybody you know mm-hmm. so i think that i've kind of um i think that i've i think I've, I've done pretty well at mixing the two by now that's what i'd like to do i like design elements that fit the body really well that go with the muscles and the structure of the body mm-hmm. and still maintaining the realism that that comes with um all the dynamic parts of it, the depth part of it, you know. Have you been able to mix your 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 regular day to day art with some of the uh, input into your artwork for for body art? Mm, not really. Uh, I think. <laughs> Damn, we just had a techno rebound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think some some stuff mixes really well with the tattoo industry, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the stuff that I do personally um, would appeal to that wide range of people. So okay. I, I'm choosing to keep that for myself. I think aesthetically, I think it's a little bit. I mean, if I'm being honest, I think it's a little too advanced for the everyday person. And I'm going for numbers, not so much, um, you know, less numbers charging more. That served so, me well too, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. When you made the move um, from Hinesville to Savannah and you didn't have, you said you didn't have like an apprenticeship or that, that knowledge of history. Um, were you able to get that from Mark? Did he, was he brought up like to have the, the knowledge of the history and like he had a traditional apprenticeship? <laughs> Stacey said, hell no. Take it away, Stacy. No, no, Mark, uh, Mark, Mark had, Mark had some, some street business sense, but Mark was not a, Mark does, Mark, Mark does not do tattoos. Oh, okay. No, Mark Mark is not a, yeah, Mark was not an artist. Mark just had, Mark just had money to do the business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The tattoo shop that I worked in, it was the same situation. The owner was not an artist. Yes. Didn't touch it at all. Um, Yeah. But yeah, Mark. Mark the uh, Mark's done the 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 tattoo that I just got fixed on my arm, the <laughs> Reaper. Mark did that, and Mark did uh, the tattoo above my bug. See, Terrence did the bug, and Mark did the lettering above my bug. But yeah, Mark is not a tattoo artist. What? No, he tried. Yeah, can he I tried. get can I get some clarification on the bug? Oh, the bug is the uh my the union logo on my forearm. It's Why it's called a bug. bug. It's just I, I didn't name it. It's called a bug. The fist? Yes. Is that the fist? Yes. 
That's the yes. thing. Got it. So you're saying Mark did the fist or Terrence? No, did Terrence it? did the fist. Okay. Yeah. Terrence did the fist and the lightning bolts, but Mark did the lettering above it. But yeah, uh, Mark, Mark started stepping into tattoos like towards the end of the Once period. Once he got fucked up enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> towards the end of the shop itself, but Mark wasn't a uh, – Mark drew a little bit here and there, but Mark was not a tattoo artist. No. Okay. Uh, so tell us about your um, – your art outside of tattooing. What are you, what's your like style with that? Or what are you oh, doing? Oh man. All right. So, so usually what I like to do is, uh, I've always liked the Renaissance phase. I always liked that they were like conscious on like the morality part of it, you know, how mm -hmm. they were able to um, keep everything true to how it looks. Like they actually did their research and looked at how things looked when the light hits them or when they're in a dark room, when they're in a lighter room and they'll like emphasize on what you, what they want you to feel but they never really exaggerated it to the point to where um, they might exaggerate it for the point of like what it means. But as far as how it looks, it always appealed because people back in that day wanted to see how close to real life you can get it. So now that we're in a phase now, I like to take that same brain and apply it to um, exaggerated modern colors. So I have like a, uh, a colored um i like to categorize colors as how they how they feel so blue would be the nature of a person and then um magenta would be uh like the next phase of a person because you can go blue purple magenta but you can't go blue red blue to red don't ask me about the color theory but that's what i'm thinking it like it's an enlightenment thing and then there's green that represents like god and jesus and then there's like a peach so all these different colors mean something to me and from when you look at each piece you see that it's always consistent so when you're able to look at the piece knowing me or knowing like the artist statement you'd be able to look at it and it would tell you something without being so preachy you know so like a lot of heavy black a lot of uh the same characters doing different things a lot of like figure painting if you will but with certain colors that let you know why he's in this position or why he's holding this or why he's doing that. Yeah. So is it like, um, like, are you painting like scenes, like interior scenes or like, you no, know? Uh, so what I'm doing is, um, it's a lot of small scale stuff because it's easier to, easier to market. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of times people now, because of how affordable everything's and a small space is, whether it be galleries or just people wanting to hang up stuff in their, in their apartments. If you do smaller pieces, more people will buy it. So I do a lot of smaller mm -hmm. pieces, maybe eight by 10, 11 by 14. If you do those mm -hmm. larger pieces, you'll have to sit on it for about a year before you're able to sell it to a, a buyer that's willing to pay what you're charging. So I do a lot of small pieces. I make sure that I keep the same colors. So when people do buy my stuff that they already know that it's going to fit into their room or, um, you know, or it's going to look exactly how it looks in the picture type of deal. So a lot of it is more marketing. It's, it's the passion, but if you have the passion without knowing what people will buy, it really, you're just going to have a lot of paintings at your house. That's smart. A uh, good perspective to like put the parameters of what's accessible, what's marketable, what's viable, and then let your art live within those parameters. That's a yeah. Yeah. 
So how many, since we're on your art, how many of your specific art pieces have you had in galleries? Mm, so I think it was about three. Um, two of them were in major galleries. Uh, one was in Jacksonville. Uh, I did a piece that was on, um, that was on the, what was that play that came out? It was, the movie had just came out for Colored Girls. Uh, the play is a lot longer of a, of a, for colored girls, uh, for color, it's a play that was in Broadway for colored girls that something about the rainbow. I shouldn't know it. I feel so bad for not knowing it, but it was a, it was a piece that, um, I forget the, I think it was Tyler Perry that came out with four colored girls or no, am I tripping? Is that the name of it? Stacy, you're black. You should know. (laughs) Is the name of it? (laughs) Jamie is too, but know your history. Is the name of the play for colored girls? Or what's the name of the play? Uh, that's the short. That's the short end of it. The play and the book is a lot longer than that, um, but it does have to do with like the the experience of a black girl uh, and how she lives her life and what this perspective is like. Uh, but um, the book, the book title, I'd have to I'd have to look that. So up. The, Jamie, the movie Jamie is for colored girls. Anyway. And it came out in two thousand ten and is rated R. And it's based yeah, on what that's the movie. play? What play is it based on, Stacey? Because uh, I want to publicly shame Jamie for not knowing this. Uh, it's, ah. a, it's a screenplay by Jeez. Tyler Perry. Jamie is a theater director. Oh, Jamie! And she's and she's also black. I'm rubbing uh, my index. And it's uh, NAACP right Image uh, Award for Outstanding Motion Picture. It's an ad- adaptation from... We no, don't need the Wikipedia. Yeah. No, uh, no, I want the adaptation. It's an adaptation, it's an adaptation from, from Natsuki's Sean's 1970s, 1975's original... What is the name? I'm trying to find it. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> Four colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. Yeah. That's the title? Yep. Four colored girls. Who have committed Ooh. suicide when the rainbow is enough. Who have considered the rainbow or who have considered suicide. There you right. go, Jamie. Yeah. But anyway. Um, yeah, that, we can definitely fucking see that, Stacey. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> right, I'll text it to you. I'm sending it to you. I got it. Right I, r- I'm, I write notes down. I got it. <laughs> uh, but there was a major, um, there was a, a, a gallery that was really so moved by Tyler Perry's um, movie that they were like, you know what? We really want to just completely empty out the gallery, which is something unheard of because they'd really be taking a chance on because you know they they thrive off the set that the piece is selling um but they were so moved by the by the play and by the movie that they were like you know we're going to dedicate a month to uh artists that really feel uh strongly about the point as we do so they were calling out to artists and i just submitted something that i thought um how I felt about the whole situation. So I made something for them and they took it and um, they displayed it for a month. And uh, see, so after that, after that, it was another piece uh, that I did recently that was in uh, a gallery, like a a pop-up gallery around here, but it's a pretty reputable gallery around here. So I did it then. So uh, back then my stuff didn't look the same as it does now, but, 
those are the two major ones that I would say I'm proud of. Uh, did they sell? Yeah, yeah, both pieces sold. The first one sold, and then uh, the second one took a while, but it sold also. Awesome. Good. Your art art. <laughs> <laughs> That's a not, whole other. It takes not so much on energy skin. To, yeah, it, it takes a lot of energy to do it more so uh, because it doesn't appeal to as many people. So, man, I would really like to do that more, but a lot of people really aren't into it as much. Mm-hmm. It's definitely can be a, a game to market. The fine, like the fine art game, is a fucking racket, really. Yeah, it's almost like comparison to like underground anything compared to pop charts. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you understand, Ed? You know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you motherfucker, <laughs> Ed. Um, not, not enough people compare you to Ed Sheeran. I think. <laughs> yeah, they do. I get it. <laughs> not Fuck enough. Quite. Not to <laughs> my not eyes. in your presence. Yeah. Well, I uh, want to crank again, that up. You've also refused to be around us for the past several months. So. Yeah, because you guys, you're not Ed Sheeran, man. But I've seen, I've googled you a lot, and you Bro. are definitely Ed Sheeran. I appreciate you trying to like talk to us regularly. Play folks, it off. <laughs> I know who you are, man. <laughs> Bro, I, I got to tell you, if I had uh, money like that, I wouldn't be doing this bullshit. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, I'd be spending a lot more of my time drawing and shit. <laughs> I feel you, man. Um, let's see. So how'd you make your... Uh, so after you quit... Or like so so what happened with running guns? Running guns you left when he sold it or you quit before that? Man, so it was really crazy. Or Mark had to let you go. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) man. Yeah. Right. Uh he had he had a lot going on in his life, man. It was like a circus, you know? And not to put it all on him, but when someone doesn't tattoo, they're completely dependent on the artist. So Mm. it's really hard for a guy to understand what the life is like if they don't go home and draw or make the stencils or promote themselves or anything. They just see that. So that was a struggle to come to an agreement on time management pretty much he wanted to see certain numbers at certain times and it just doesn't happen that way in the service industry so it got to the point to where it was really stressful he was dating this new girl claire that was locked up blah 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 stacy can tell you the story is that <laughs> with the veiny boobs no that's a totally different uh, story. no that was no that was a way different story yeah but claire claire really was uh his his um it was a bonnie and clyde type deal they were both the way that they were and they were just alike so it really uh, messed him up when she came back into the picture so um it was just it put a strain on us because he was not able to maintain the business side of it and also the personal side of it so i just decided i was just gonna work somewhere else so i ended up um moving to another shop uh, that was in Hinesville for a little bit and then, long story short, um, Mark ended up selling the shop to a guy named Kalani. And uh, they renamed the shop, rebranded the shop. And then um, Mark, knowing that, you know, he was who he was, called me and was like, 
you know what, if you ever want to work in Savannah again, I just sold the shop, you should work for this guy. So I ended up coming back to that job. Having some technical difficulties here. And working for him for... for good? So, yeah, you're back now. Um, so what was your, what was your uh, cut like with not having you know, uh, a non-tattooer as, a, as the owner? Oh man, it should have been way better, but um, <laughs> those uh, those skills weren't weren't. Um, I, I didn't. I, I wasn't able to negotiate. Um, yeah, I wasn't able to really think about it. I, you know, I was just lucky to be there in, in my my state. Then you know, not not knowing that I had the leverage. You know, if you don't know you have the leverage, then you're just out of luck. You know, people mm-hmm. really uh, take advantage of that, and they should. Because that, that should be a learning experience for everybody, you know. No. Yeah. So, uh, so I didn't know. Uh, I think it was like a sixty forty split. I make I make forty. He makes sixty. Ooh. But like, what was he providing? Like gloves? Like how much? Like there can be a good trade off sometimes, depending on what the shop provides. Yeah. It's it's crazy because there's so many different ways to manipulate that. So what I've seen what I've seen over the long run is the numbers matter. So if someone says that they'll supply supplies for you and they'll give you a higher percentage, they usually do the cheaper supplies. And, mm. because, and because there's so many of the small supplies, it seems like they offer a lot when really you would rather than pay for two or three things that are the most expensive and, and just take a lower cut. You know what I mean? That's a good point. So that's so, what happened. He, he would buy, he would buy, not paper towels, but he would buy like tape or pens or stencil paper, you know, like just stuff that's just kind of like you need it, but it's not really going to break the bank. The overhead for him was pretty low. So what was it like, when did you finally, like, get into a shop with other, like, artists where you started really feeling like you were progressing or, like, that had, you know what I mean, that you, like, respected as artists? Man, I mean, if I'm being all the way honest, never. Uh, not until I got to, <laughs> not until I got to Austin. When I was in, when I was in Savannah, I've always been the guy that was dependable. I was the guy that you knew that would show up on time, no matter what. I was the Christian guy. I was the guy that wasn't going to have drugs in his system. I was the guy that wasn't going to get drunk. It, I was always that guy. So every time I worked for a shop, I, I was always like the black sheep of the crew, you know, a white sheep, white sheep will call it. Everybody else was a black sheep, but I was always the dependable square guy. Mm-hmm. So it got to the point to where word got around, you know, because the, sh- the area is so small, they're going to know who you are. I ended up working for a, a lady. Her name was uh, Amanda. She worked at Good Fortune Tattoo. And I okay. would say she was probably the most supportive out of everyone so far. Mm-hmm. I was the guy that, um, um, that the shop depended on, basically. That must uh, be... It must be interesting to be like what just the white sheep or um, in that sort of environment where uh, there can be a lot of bad guy things going on. 
I mean, the shop that I worked at, it was like pulling teeth every day to get somebody who was like not hungover enough to make it in. Yeah, it was cra- It was. It's an insane environment, and it's. I don't think you're able to explain it to people because it's not rational. If you have a guy that's never tattooed, can't draw at all, but he sees the money-making opportunity and he opens up a shop and he's on drugs, his girl's on drugs, and everyone that works with him is doing the same drug because they want to secure the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all hanging out. They're good. They can be late for work. He understands. But if the square guy is late, you don't have an excuse. You don't hang out with them. You don't drink with them. So you don't get the same... You're responsible, but you don't get the same grace as everyone else. So it's just crazy. Interesting. The square. It's just a friend type thing. You know, it's like if you're in the circle, you're good, you know? Oh, yeah. That's like that in damn near every business, though. If you're kind of like inside the clique. Yeah, that's just the good old boy system. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. So it's always been that kind of way for me. When I got to Austin, uh, it was funny because there was a guy that I've always looked up to. His name was Jeff Ensminger, and he was in every magazine, every convention. Everyone knows him internationally. Outside of America, everyone knows him. He's just one of those guys that's always been around. He was uh, progressive in, in, in his era. So people just looked for him to do the new thing, the new idea, you know. So I came here to visit Austin, and um, – I was like, man, I really want to meet him. I want to, like, talk to him and, I don't know, just get him to autograph something. I wasn't thinking, like, trying to work here. I was just trying to visit Austin. And I ended up um, talking to him for a little bit. And later down the road, my wife says, you know, we should um, we should consider moving to Austin. So I hit him up and was like, hey, man, um, can you help me out? And he was like, yeah, I, I like your stuff, man. You should come and you should apply for this place called Dovetail. So I didn't know anything, you know, a bad shop from a good shop then. So I just applied for there and they and they hired me. So was it a bad shop or a good shop? It was an, it was an amazing shop. They had two locations. Oh. Everybody there had their own niche. There was a guy that did anime. There was a guy that did um, only like um, Aztec, Inca, like ancient Native American art. And there was a girl that did only watercolor. Like everybody had their niche. This was like the pinnacle of all the people that have their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was the guy that did portraits, realism or um, like illustrative stuff, you know, imaginative stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I kind of fit right in there. And I think that's what got my feet set in Austin. If it wasn't for that shop, I think that it would have been a lot more of a struggle. That place was really, really established. And I was able to uh, build off their reputation. Mm-hmm. And that's not where you are now, though. No, no. I'm actually in Dallas now. So what shop are you working for now? Uh, I'm, on, I'm at a place called Sparrow's Tattoo. There was a, a guy that was on Ink Master, and um, his name was Clint Cummings. And he was one of the loud mouths of the, you know, every season has a loud mouth. Doesn't it? Yeah. Every shop, every shop has a fucking loudmouth. Every yeah. reality show that yeah. does sound kind of like a porno-y name. Yeah, yeah. Just saying. So he, so he ended up uh, getting pretty far in the competition, and uh, he ended up opening a shop. And uh, because he was so popular in the show, you know, they they kept him around 
pretty much the whole season. And he's a decent tattoo artist too, you know, so he, they kept him around. Um, so, and he was really heavily known in the, in the tattoo community. He went to all the conventions, won some awards. He was really, he was good, you know? So what's your, what's your experience been like at that shop? It's been great. It's been great. I've been able to um, really, man, it's crazy. Every time you move, you kind of do without the clientele and you just kind of depend on um, your, yourself to get the word out there. So, I'm not going to lie to you. Every time I move, I humble myself and I go to Walmart, I go to Target, I go to all these uh, big box stores and I just walk around for about 30 minutes. If I need to grab something, I'll stay more, but I'll pass out cards. I'll talk to people. I'll try to get reoccurring clientele instead of depending on the walk-ins that come into the mm. shop because mm. they're already sold when they walk in, you know? So what made you move from like, did you um, move to Dallas to work at that shop or did you like, were you moving to Dallas for another reason and oh, man. Just needed to change shops? That is a longer story, but a raw tale of that uh, would be my, my wife ended up getting caught up in the party scene in Austin and it wasn't so great. And um, so I needed to go to uh, a place where I could make money and not be in Austin anymore because I didn't want to uh, deal with her and I didn't want to deal with all the dudes she was messing with. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to start over and be in a different place. And uh, it just so happened I was in Target doing my promotion thing, not even in where I'm at now, but I was just promoting myself. And she had just gotten a tattoo, the register, the cashier. And uh, she told me about a place called Sparrows. I never heard of it before. I heard of Clint, but I never heard of the shop. And she was like, yeah, you should go up there. And I was like, okay, cool. I never ended up going there. Uh, the next day, I ended up going to uh, the gym. I was trying to get my workout on. And um, a guy that was a police officer in Dallas said he got his tattoos at Sparrows Tattoos. So I said, you know what? If this place is that well known, I'm going to go and see if I can make some money while the the COVID thing is happening. I'm going to make some money and earn some money for this divorce I'm, I'm going through. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and I'm just going to try. I oh, so that you, like, this is recent. you just started. Yeah, yeah, just started. Words. It's probably yeah. around a few, few weeks now, probably around three weeks now. Got you. Wow. It never stops, man. It's always something. Every year is a new thing to get used to. Mm-hmm. So, how long have you been tattooing now in total? It's been uh, 16 years now. Oh. So, and how, how, do you, how do you feel about the progression of tattooing and body art since you've been involved in it? I think it's amazing. I think that they should do like Walmart, though. You know how for the people that's been there 10 years, they get a blue sticker, and then like the people 20 years, they get a gold sticker? Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, you just get a, a chip. Stick. I think I should have a gold sticker by now. Okay. <laughs> but uh, as far as there's the a lot goes, of, there'd be a yeah. lot of them out there though. Ah, you ain't lying. You ain't lying. But as far you as need the a, goes, say what? I'm sorry, man. You need that star system like they got at the Cracker Barrel. I'm telling you, man. I there love you it. go. I love it. I free biscuit every now and then. You know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> so where do you where do you see uh where do you see tattooing and body art going? 
Man, you know what's crazy is I'm, I'm happy to be in an industry that can't really be affected by whatever technology comes out. They can only improve on the technology that we have. That's a great point. There, there was, um, and, uh, and, that's, and that's the way with a lot of like barbers or salon, that it, it takes a certain amount of skill and there's not really a way to replicate that. You see that happen in Walmart as far as cashiers or those types of jobs, you know? You got, mm -hmm. you got technology advances so much to where it puts people out of work. And then, you know, there's really no way to um, to sell yourself because the machines are going to work much more uh, efficient than you are, you know? Yeah, I'm never going to stick my arm in an automatic tattoo machine. That's just not going to yeah, happen. Have you seen uh, that? Have you I'm seen that? I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> Dude, they were really seriously talking about that. I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but with technology, though, like, how do you feel about technology and tattooing? Like, do you use uh, rotaries? Do you use the iPad? Like, all that Oh, stuff? man. I use everything that makes my job a lot more easy. Uh, so <laughs> I have... I have uh, the, the latest, one of the latest machines as far as what the pins are, because they mm -hmm. went from, um, so you have a pneumatic machine, a rotor machine, and then you have the, the coil machine. So the coil mm -hmm. machine are, um, are pretty, the most, I would say, they're not the oldest, but if we're talking about not the whole history of tattooing, we're just talking about what people know about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. because The most widely really, recognized. Yeah. Edison invented the first tattoo machine, uh, mm -hmm. Thomas Edison. And uh, it was really a, uh, originally supposed to poke holes in paper so people could um, put ink over the top of that paper and make stamps, you know, make stencils. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really for tattooing, but someone started using it for tattooing. Uh, and um, so, so it advanced. But it started out as a, a rotary machine, which is a motor that goes round and round. And then there's a magnetic coil that depends on the magnetic um, field of uh, generated from a generator and that kind of goes up and down that's the one you see most often and then there's a pneumatic uh, air compressed machine that you can use uh, but, scary. Uh, that sounds scary I know I know <laughs> I've never even it heard is. of the pneumatic <laughs> shit yeah that sounds like it could like take on a life of its own uh, right right but Do you what have... I use now is a rotary it's the most efficient okay. and um and over the long run, it's the most affordable too. I use a uh, 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 Zion. Okay. Do you line Zion. with Zion the rotary? X I O N. Do you line with it too? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, so this guy is is made by Spectra, and it's ahead of it was ahead of its time. But you know, of course, when you come out with a great idea, people want to replicate it. So there's a lot more of them now, and they're kind of building on what he's done. He's done, but uh, it's really efficient and. Um, with the shading and the lining involved, there's certain things that you have to tweak in order for it to be a liner and for it to be a shader. Mm -hmm. And uh, depending on what you're doing, that also kind of affects it. But sorry, I'm um. traffic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Is, is it like the pen style or is it more like a Cubano where it's like half halfway hybrid type shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, so it's a pen style, so it's upright. Um, it's really efficient. You don't have to worry about tuning the machine. It's already tuned for you. Uh, so you can, adjust the, you can adjust the give, which means every time the needle hits the skin, there's, there's a certain uh, spring that gives it. So if you want it to be really firm, you want the needle to hit as hard as it can. You want it to pack mm -hmm. in the ink. But if you're trying to brush in something, you want it to be soft, 
then you want that spring to give a little bit. So every time it punctures the skin, it punctures it with a little bit of love. So you don't want it to like blast the ink in, you know? Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's also some adjustable things where you can adjust the stroke. Sometimes when you have a long stroke, it goes into the chamber and comes out and it, it goes into the chamber and pulls out a lot of ink and then it blasts out a lot of ink. But you don't always want a lot of ink. Uh, especially mm -hmm. when you're doing portraits and stuff, you just want a little bit of uh, it goes in and gets a little bit of ink and it comes out and, and gives out a little bit of ink. So it adjusts that also. So those are the types of machines I look for now. Do you so still use you still use a Thermofax or do you have like one of the new printer, like the computer printer that does oh, your stuff? Man, now that. <laughs> You're in the perfect phase to talk about it now because you're right in the middle ground of traditional stuff that's been done for the last 50 years. And then mm -hmm. you have the new age of people that are really uh, trying to mix technology with what we're doing and still maintaining the efficiency of it. So mm -hmm. back in the day, you used to have to make stencils by hand. You used to have mm -hmm. to depend on pressure to uh, put the ink on the back of the paper and then apply that to the skin. And mm -hmm. then the, the phase that I was in was there's a Thermofax machine where it depends on temperature and um, you, you put it in and it makes the design for you. But now they're printing out to, um, to where it's almost like, uh, say, for instance, you were doing a portrait, but you can't draw that that well. But you're really technically great. Uh, you can print out a stencil that yeah. has the shading in it instead of just the outline. Yeah, there's a guy, one of the guys at my shop. So, like, that's the, the shop that I work at is, like, uh, you know, one of the dudes has been there, uh, he's been tattooing for 28 years, you know, uh, the other ones are like 20 years. And then we got like a, a new guy that's been doing it for like five years, but even the older guys, like the dude that's been doing it for 28 years, you know, he's, he's doing uh black and gray, like West coast style realism and, um, like portraits and stuff. So he's got like a computer printer that prints that shit out. You know what I mean? Straight onto the paper. Now you got to use their stencil solution. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah and exactly. So like, even though he has that traditional upbringing and apprenticeship and he's been tattooing, he knows all the history and all that shit, you know, he's still on the iPad. He's got the printer making his stencils. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish that there was, it was a lot more regulated, it, but that's, but you're in a time to where it appeals to so many people that they just want to keep it the way that it is. But I almost wish that we had a, a black belt system to where it was like, if I have the black belt, you know, I do portraits, you know, but now it's like it, because of the technology and because of people not really knowing or not having the eye for it, they just want a tattoo. They want it to look decent, and they want it now. You can do it and make just as much as I make, and I'm a specialist at it, you know? Right. So it's crazy that you can depend on technology. All he has to do is color by number and get it just slightly close. It doesn't even have to be mm -hmm. great. As long as it's decent, they'll pay the money. Mm -hmm. So I wish that it was a little different because it really oversaturates the market, you know? Some sort of, like, regulation or, like, badges or – society like a something like yeah. that a really crazy comparison would be i just watched ugly delicious on netflix right and there is a standard for a neapolitan pizza 
there's a standard to certain sauce, certain ingredients, certain ways, certain people make it, certain dough, certain flavors, everything. Pizza. Mm-hmm. But with a tattoo, doesn't matter what ink, doesn't matter what needle, doesn't matter who does it, doesn't matter what they specialize in, where it is, it's a portrait. Well, I mean, that's really on the consumer, though. That's on the consumer not being educated enough. I mean, it is. But isn't the piece of also- Cut out. So, Say that one more time. I said, but isn't the pizza also like the consumer? It's not. It, it should be to the consumer because they like what they like. But mm-hmm. as far as the people that know the difference, shouldn't they have a standard on how good a portrait should be in order to not oversaturate the market? You know. Well, I I think that. Uh, a tattoo collector is, you know, is going to know the difference and is going to go to that person. You know what I mean? The same way that you have a foodie or a food critic or a reviewer, you know what I mean? That's going to know that that pizza is, you know, the pizza. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're right. Like, obviously you don't want to fucking do goddamn infinity signs and, and <laughs> feathers turning into birds all day. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're right. So, you're right. You know, you that, that is your that is your black belt. <laughs> He's got a point. He's got a point. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any uh, do you have any advice for anyone listening that may be thinking about becoming a, a tattoo artist? Eh, not any good advice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just so it's so heavily saturated, man, and it shouldn't be honestly because the people that know know that how rare it is to have something that you're really great at and there's some people that want to play guitar but they can't see the profit in it so they become a tattoo artist there's some people that want to be a poet but they see that you know the creativity is a lot more appreciated because tattooing is so appealing to people you know by all the different various ways you know you have the edge you have the danger you have the artistry you have the mysticism you have the personalities so it 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 appeals to everyone and for someone to say, I've always been into tattoos, it's not really a thing to be only into tattoos. Everybody likes tattoos, you know? So it really, um, if I were to say, if you are really passionate about it, do the tattoo community a service and give back. You know, use your money to not profit like so many others and use that money to benefit society. You know, there's a lot of money that comes in all at once. There's plenty of ways to get your money and not pay the man so much uh use that to your advantage and and um benefit other people as opposed to trying to get rich quick so how like are you heavily tattooed obviously we can only see like (laughs) your head right now yeah no i i'm actually not man i've been on such a crazy journey that it's been so much me being ambitious and wanting to make as much money as I can. I have a son and I had a wife and, you know, we had a new move and so many different moves and different shops and all that. So I've always been focused more on the outside of me other than me. But I I do have a few pieces that I've gotten recently that I'm really proud of. I just got tattooed by a guy named Chad Linger and uh, he's from a, uh, he's from a a really reputable shop in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Mm Mm-hmm. So what kind of, I mean, what kind of stuff do you have on you? Like what kind uh, of style? So, I I have, so 
don't know if you can see it really well, but I'll show you. Well, you're driving. You're driving. <laughs> I'll just look it up on Instagram later. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not driving. I'm not driving. <laughs> Bro, you got your camera on, motherfucker. <laughs> Safety first. Holy shit. I'm a rebel, man. I'm a rebel. <laughs> That's why you're a tattooer. Look, dude, I'm a rebel with a seatbelt. I thought you were a square. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were I'm a white like sheet. A, I'm, like a, I'm like a square with, like, the if you sanded the corners off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're with a gray right. sheep. <laughs> with yeah. rounded edges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we weren't able to see it that well so what kind of styles are you into or like who are some of the artists that you're you know i mean that you want to emulate oh man um so there's a guy named um mike moses Mm -hmm. his stuff is really cool um he's he's doing things so it's kind of hard to tell um to tell you what makes things different because then that would just kind of be abroad and be like what makes art different but it's more of uh, with the limitations, like say for instance, um, certain lines or just lines in general uh, spread over time, so they get fatter. So mm-hmm. a lot of artists use a certain width of a line just to make sure that it doesn't bleed together over time. Mm-hmm. Or there's certain artists that design things a certain way to where they can put bold lines in it, but also maintain whatever aesthetic that they're trying to have. So they space things out. You know, because you want to have a lot of bold lines because it's striking. You know, if you do a lot mm-hmm. of thin lines, then it's just really going to be, uh, it's not going to be as striking as what a bold line would be. So he puts a lot of bold lines in there where there should be thin lines, and he designs it in a certain way to where it won't look bad later. Gotcha. There's another guy um, that only uses thin lines, the thinnest of all thin lines, and um, – his creativity is insane. His name is uh, Henry Lewis. Yeah, I know. I know Henry. Well, not like personally, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he's a guy that really um, knows his history as far as tattooing goes, uh, and tattooing internationally and not just American style. He's implemented a lot of um, uh, Japanese designs and um, mm-hmm. just a lot of different cultures are implemented into what he likes to do. And uh, I would definitely say Nico. I always have to put Nico on there just because he caught he he didn't help me um, creative wise, but he helped me technically. He showed me how to um, because he sold a DVD. It's amazing, by the way. They taught me how to make my own stencil solution. He taught me how to mix certain colors, what colors he uses, uh, what with a needle he uses, uh, what voltage he runs his machine at, just everything. Everything that you need to know from start to finish, he told he taught me technically, and uh, and then of course at the end it would be um, just Ensminger, which kind of encapsulates all of that. All right, um, Stacy, do you have anything else? I'm my phone's getting about to ten percent, so it could yeah, ten percent. So as someone who's bounced around a few different shops, do you have any uh, do's and don'ts for like the general public for when they come into a shop? Like, oh man, I would say I think it's more of a, a personality issue rather than the do's and don'ts because we kind of take it as far as like how um, 
how we want the process to go, we're pretty hands-on, or at least the professional should be. But don't be loud. Don't be inconsiderate. Don't lowball. If you got, if you go to a guy and he's overcharging you, how can you know if he's overcharging you? Well, you look at the quality of the work, and if you look at his demeanor, you can tell instantly if someone is trying to rip you off. You know, if someone listens to you, then they're probably not ripping you off, or they're just a great salesman and you owe them that service anyway. Anyway, you know, there's just a certain amount of give and take that that should go into um, the client and um, and the artist relationship. If I'm being really considerate, if I'm listening to your ideas, if I'm willing to change things on the spot, if I'm being upfront about the cost, if I'm being upfront about how long it's going to take, if I'm being brutally honest, then um, there's a there's a there's a payment for that, you know, because that's a luxury that uh, a lot of people don't get to have. A lot of people are lied to. A lot of people are taken advantage of, especially the first time tattoo mm-hmm. getters, you know, intimidated. Yeah, I would just say pay pay a little bit more for the security, knowing that you're being taken care of. Right. Jamie, you got any other questions? No, but I just want to say thank you so much for sharing um, specifically like that artistic journey part uh, that resonates with me. Um, and it's nice to hear it from other people. Oh, cool. Yeah. I just want to do a public uh, service announcement to say, Kids, don't text and drive or call and drive. (laughs) 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 How can people find you, man? What's your uh, Instagram? Or like you put yourself on Facebook? How can can people find your shit? So I'm I'm usually a part of pretty much every social networking thing just because it's just, it's it's best um, just depending on what people like to be a part of everything. Um, But Mm. um, the, the things that I'm on most commonly are the Instagram, and the Facebook. Facebook would be more of the personal side, you know, if you think I'm hot. Um, but Instagram would be uh, Instagram would be more of the, the, the business side of it. So I would say uh, Terrence Newsom at uh, gmail.com is my email. But if you're looking at me on Instagram, uh, Terrence, T-A-R-E-N-C-E, Newsom, N-E-W-S-O-M-E. And uh, if you see green, then that's me. He's got just under 6,000 followers right now and a bunch of his photos from his dope-ass work. And you said you work at Swallows in Dallas, Texas? No, never Swallow. Um, It's it's (laughs) Sparrow. (laughs) Sparrows. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for coming on. And... <laughs> oh man, thanks for coming on and being yeah, part of the show. One time. <laughs> coming on, that's another one. <laughs> oh man, like I said, thanks for coming on, and thanks for everyone for listening to the episode. We'll be back with another one before you know it. All right, May- you allegedly, guys. maybe <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Also, is this episode 50? Uh, Hold on, let me look. I think it is. I think Medical Anomalies was the last one, right? I think that was 49. Yeah, I think this is episode Terrence, have you ever listened to the show? No, but I will definitely now. Me neither. (laughs) Yes, she has it. Yeah, Yeah, this is episode 50. So, yeah, this is our 50th episode. I'm all All about it now. Stacey put me on, man. I'll be watching you guys from now on. All right. Appreciate it, Bubba. So, yeah. uh, 
Jamie, later. Uh, don't do nothing stupid. Wear your masks. <laughs> Duh. Jamie swallows. Oh, yeah, so, that's uh, a, that was the last ah! one. Uh, well, how are you supposed to get a boyfriend? Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Just asking if you know another way. You're, you're on the know. right path, I think. Thank you. <laughs> that's a whole other um, show. That's a whole other show there. Yeah. So one last thing, like, how have you uh, been able to do, like, through the quarantine? And, like, you know, how has quarantine affected your business and corona and like oh, what is what are what is your shop doing now man so 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 the avenues are, are pretty broad too man um so it's just a matter of what you're willing to give and take so if you're willing to be the guy that is focused on money because i think it exposed everyone so say you're the guy that says you know what i got a lot of overhead you know this is how i pay my bills uh pretty much forget the public i need to make this money you're gonna look bad your reputation is going to suffer. There's going to be some people that are like, you know what? I want my tattoo. I don't think about it, but it's going to be a ton of people because of the news and stuff. They're going to say, you know what? You're very inconsiderate and you're not being safe. So which one do you want to be? Would you rather uh, try to figure out if you can pay your bills later or if you see if they actually do cut your lights off at the third on the third or at the fourth, you know, I would much rather be the guy that's worried about my own well-being than to be worried about someone else's well-being. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the avenue that I took I just chose not to make as much money I tattooed people that I knew that were um, that didn't have any symptoms I made sure I wore my mask and wore my gloves and I tattooed exclusively I didn't tattoo at any public place and I didn't go to any public place before I began my um, you know my session so I was really safe about it I'd, I'd rather hold on to my integrity you know mm -hmm. yeah and are you guys like at your shop, are you guys like requiring masks? Are you doing walk-ins? What's what's procedure yeah. like right now? So, so now we're in phase two now, so it's a lot different. Uh, in certain areas, they're a lot stricter. Here, um, they're realizing that it's not um, it's not as bad as as it was before, and it's like subsiding a little bit. The cases are reducing by like you know a large proportion, so they're opening up um, to a certain capacity. So. We're still having our mask on. We're still being just as safe as we were before, but we're just able to tattoo a lot more often now. Uh, I think it's right at 25% uh, capacity. So you, are you guys are, are you doing walk-ins? Yeah, yeah, we're doing walk-ins and everything. Word. Gotcha. Cool. All right. It's, it's, it's great too. It's uh. It's crazy you would think that people would slowly creep in, but people are so sick of their wives and sick of their kids and sick of their coworkers that they're just dying to get out of the house and doing something. So, yeah, we've been staying busy where I'm at. Yeah, they're, man, they're, they're flooding the doors. Mm -hmm. We're not doing walk-ins right now, though. We're uh, doing appointment only and make, you know, we're booked up like at least a week or so out right now. Yeah, that's great, been, man. That's great been for everybody. And everybody's making, you know, the same. They find that they're pretty much making the same amount of money. So, yeah, yeah, it's man. Been, I, I, it's been it, nice. Really, it really feels good to know that everybody's. Uh, it, it has that peace of mind knowing that their kids and their wife and just their own lives are uh, a lot more secure because mm. there's really no alternative for an artist other than to draw. So if they can't do that, they can't eat. You know. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show and uh, 
maybe we'll make a trip down there and get some work. Come on. I'm ready for you. I appreciate it, man. Word. Have a good one, man. All right. All right, you too. Later, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody.